I'm Chloe. And I'm Heather. Together, we're your hosts of the Wands and Water podcast. Each week, we'll be having candid conversations about things we found essential to healing while creating abundant lifestyles for ourselves, our clients, and our collective communities. We believe that the universe provides us everything we need to take control of our successes and especially of our failures. We'll be operating in realms outside of the mainstream, getting a little spiritual, a little witchy, and a lot open about the things that can often be too hard for most to talk about. We'll be walking our shadow selves into the light one step at a time together. Combined, the two of us have over 10 years of social media management, teaching, educating, and coaching experience. We'll share some of the awkward, uncomfortable, yet enlightening growing pains that come with practicing, living, manifesting, and honoring the most abundant lives we can. Each month holds a different theme of healing as we move through the year. And each week we release a new episode discussing book quotes and passages, sharing practical magic spells and insights, shadow work, hearing expert interviews, and of course, plenty of reflection. This podcast is a production that is one facet of the collective healing community we've established called the Shadow Collective. You're welcome here. You are safe here. You are loved here. Subscribe to the Wands and Water podcast wherever you like to listen. And if you love our podcast, consider joining our community on Patreon to get access to loads of exclusive Shadow Collective content. In healing, abundance, and light, Ashe. Hello, gorgeous people. Welcome. Thank you for being here with us. Welcome to season one, episode 14 of our podcast, the Wands and Water podcast. Last week, we introduced our book blurbs episode for the month. And this week, we are getting into some practical magic. So we're going to be getting into altar tools and starting your rituals. Yes. Tell them about it, Chloe. Yes. So I feel like we've been talking about and hinting at all of these things that you can use in your practice or, you know, whatever you do in your self-care time, your, you know, your self-love time, really whatever it is that you want to call it, your personal sacred time. Um, this, these are the things and we're going to explain what they are. We're going to explain maybe these guidelines that you can follow because there really are no rules in modern day spirituality. Um, but we're going to start off by going into a little bit of a history of it, getting everybody on the same page of what we're talking about. Um, because we, we talk about it all the time. So now I'm happy that we get to dedicate a whole episode to it. Um, So we talk about, you know, an altar, obviously, all the time. We've had an episode before where we talk about sacred spaces and having an altar in your sacred space is something that, you know, you can have in there. So an altar, I I don't know, you know, what religious background everybody comes from. I was raised a Roman Catholic. So an altar in my, you know, my, that kind of aspect, you know, I think of the Roman Catholic Church and those type of altars with Mm -hmm. the red candles, you know, on the side. Yeah. Um, But that was... And the altar boys behind, flanking. It. Exactly. Though that was like my introduction to an altar. But obviously, as I've gotten older, and as you know, I in my Instagram bio, I have eclectic in there, and you guys will see like what I mean by that um, in this in this way, and my incorporation, and also Heather's incorporation as you know, you're continuing to learn things and build things into your practice. Um, the the incorporation of all of these things and where they come from, and why it is important, and think in my opinion, to incorporate all of these things from you know, all parts of the world where they come from. Um, So an altar is the center of a lot of religious practices. Like we talked about spiritual practices 
And however, it's essentially used as it's like one specific spot that you have. So it's typically a table. You can put it on the floor if you want. I have mine personally on a bookshelf. Um, Heather, where do you have all of your all of your tools and all of your things in your home? I keep all of my tools on a bookshelf. However, I don't I like make my I have like an impermanent altar because I just use when I'm engaging because my apartment's so small, I don't feel like I can sacrifice a space to just ha- dedicate to that. But um, so when I'm like ready to do a ritual, I create my altar um, by using on the floor actually, or on the table depending, but I, my base is actually the, the silk scarf that my grandmother gave me. So I like build upon that. That's beautiful. And I love that too, because there are a lot of people who have their, their tools and their spiritual items in sort of boxes or one specific place. And if they don't have it out in the open, it makes it that kind of way where they can move it to another space. And I think that's kind Mm -hmm. of what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I do the same thing. And that's really how I started my practice. And as you, you know, as you move forward in it, if you find yourself having that more permanent space, if you find yourself drawn to a permanent space, and you have that space where you can lay everything out, that's what you would call a more permanent altar space for you. So that's something that you can set up year round. It's something that through the seasons, you can put different florals on it that represent those seasons. So you can really make it something that represents that, you know, everything that we're experiencing of the wheel of the year um, to make it a little bit more festive. Some people have altars in different rooms. They might not be like traditional altars with statues of gods or anything or, you know, whatever Orisha they might be honoring at that time. But it could just be florals and different fruits. And that can be considered an altar that you have in your home as well. It really is just a word for a space that you have that holds that, you know, that sacred energy, something that you hold really high in, in, in regard. And I just want to add to like, you can get kind of creative with it, right? So like, I've seen somebody that I talked to on Instagram recently, and I don't remember their name. So my bad. Um, if you listen to this, uh, <laughs> and you tell me that it's you, I'll definitely let us you know but who they you basically, are. <laughs> yeah, they basically had like on their wall, a giant, it was kind of like a two inch coming out from the wall, like protruding two inches. And it was just a power strip, honestly, but they made their altar on that, you know, they had some peacock feathers like behind it and they had crystals sitting on it and like a little candle and like that's their altar you know they had a picture above it and that's what they used and like it doesn't need to be an enormous thing either it can be a very small space um that you've dedicated as well and I thought that that was really cool because as someone who lives in a small space I I don't feel like that works for me particularly but it's a really cool idea and it made me think of other creative ways that you can that you can do it Yeah, I love that. I love seeing people get really creative with different shelves in their home or even like different hanging shelves in their home. You know, seeing Mm -hmm. people get creative with stuff like that. um, I definitely would recommend it. So if you are tight for space and that's something that, you know, if you're listening and you're thinking, well, I don't necessarily have any floor space, you can probably go on Pinterest, I'm sure, and find, you know, somebody that's doing something, you know, creative with their with their sacred spaces and their items that they hold near and dear to them. So most of these theories, everybody, that we talk about, that we've been talking about on this podcast, and a lot of the objects that we talk about, again, from my eclectic study, 
I practice pagan ritual and also hoodoo, which is not to be confused with voodoo. Voodoo is um, a much more strict to traditional. It's more of a religion base. And hoodoo is more of that African-American folk magic. So the actual like practice of using different objects and things. Um, So hoodoo is really the combination of African folklore beliefs, practices with significant mix of Indian botanical knowledge. So you'll see that crossover in a lot of the herbs and salves and tinctures and, and oils and stuff that we'll talk about in the future. A lot of that is mixed in with that knowledge. And then together it mixes in a lot of that European folklore as well. So, you know, my practice of hoodoo, you know, some people ask, you know, is it voodoo? No, it's not. Hoodoo is very different. Um, And there are a lot of ways that in this new age spiritual practice that we're in that you can incorporate, you know, this really eclectic base of things and theories and practices that you can just really use to elevate yourself, your energy field and your vibrations as just a human being on this planet, you know, with all of this energy that we have access to basically. Yeah, I love that. I love that you broke down the difference because I think that's a really important distinction to make. Um. And, you know, you can kind of get really creative with the things that you're incorporating because it's really about the meaning that they carry to you. Um, So if there's something that, you know, you feel called to incorporate into your sacred space, into your altar, chances are it's probably worth putting in there. But, you know, most altars are including photos of loved ones who have passed, um, ashes or heirlooms from deceased family members. I like to also include heirlooms from family members that are close that I feel close to that are still alive because Mm -hmm. you know I feel like I can draw on their energy and guidance even though they haven't passed into that other plane so um some people enjoy having a nature altar on which they place interesting items they find while out and about and I know this is like Chloe's shit growing up (laughs) you know (laughs) and I was very similar you know I would I had this friend Savannah and we would go outside and like be collecting you know fancy rocks we'd find and beautiful leaves and stuff and we'd go back and you know put them into our spaces as well and so if that's something that you feel called to do like that's super valid um maybe an unusual rock like an attractive seashell maybe some sea glass a chunk of wood that looks appealing um it's just another way to create a space to honor nature, right? Because this it's our life giver. We're made of the same stuff. And so to act separate is, um, I just think it's, it's silly. (laughs) So it's a nice way to bring it in and kind of give that reminder and give that honoring to our great mother in that way. Um, and typical, you want to get into what typical ancestral altars have? Yeah. So these in, these ancestral altars that we have, you know, again, if you have a nature altar, you know, something, you can get really creative with those two. I love it. Like people will get like really unusual sticks maybe that, you know, look a certain way and you can put it in your home. You know, obviously we see a lot of these crystals. Some people have really, you know, large extravagant type crystals um, and just crystals, you know, that, that's, that would be considered in my opinion, you know, like a natural altar um, and spaces that they have but typical ancestral altars that will have they'll have a few of you know these items that we're going to list out here Um, and each one of these items they do have a specific use a specific purpose a specific symbolization if you guys are creating an altar you don't need every single one of these things Um, but if you are trying to get into a harmonious balance finding something that might symbolize each of these aspects 
aspects of spirituality and honoring your ancestors and the people who have come before you, because regardless of what you believe in spirit, right, the idea is that you are honoring the people that have come before you. And that is a that is a fact. You know, there's obviously people that have come before you. And regardless of what you believe in faith, Orisha, gods, angels, what have you honoring the people that have worked, you know, in their energy to get you to where you are is something that, in my opinion, is worth honoring on a, just a very basic level. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's important as, on a personal level. I feel like it's really important practice because it, it gets rid of that very selfish mentality in a lot of ways. And that very, like, um, I'm not sure what the right word is, but that, you know, people, I, I heard the other day that people who say I and me and my too much are like the most have the most heart attacks and have the most like acute illnesses that end up killing them and die sooner because it's like when we're so self-absorbed and obsessed with ourselves, you know, we're not, we're not living in highest and best and we're not, you know, we're not grateful. We're not selfless. We're not, we're not putting good out into the world. And so we're not attracting good back. And so I think it's a really important practice specifically for a lot of reasons, but specifically in this part of what I'm saying in the conversation to, to get yourself out of that space of self-absorption, um, which is really easy to fall into, especially in our society. So I think just not only for that reason, but I think that's just one reason that it's really, it's a really important practice to honor those that came before. Us. Absolutely. Because it shows us that sense of gratitude, right? Like it really like, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like that idea that if you wake up in the morning and you say, thank you, instead of whatever other thought that would tumble through your head, you're starting off your day with thoughts of gratitude that aren't, you know, about you. Um, and you know, the more, you know, practice makes perfect as we always say. Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll get into the list here that we could just use these different items to just have a sense of gratitude for the things and, and honor these rituals of, you know, communities of people that we've had and that are in our lineage that come before us. So some things that they might've used, you know, we have a bell here. I have a bell on my altar, um, hundreds of years ago, rural folk, I do too. Actually. Oh, yay. Um, bells are amazing. They come in so many, you know, you can get really creative. Some people hand make them their bells. You know, you can get them from thrift stores. You can get them with different sigils on them. But hundreds of years ago, world folk, it was known that loud noise would drive out evil spirits. Again, like when we're talking about these items, we are going back to these stories and we're going back hundreds of hundreds of years. So back then they believed that these loud noises would drive out evil spirits. And the bell is the prime example of that good noisemaker. It's ringing causes vibrations. So when you're having that moment of peace, sometimes you'll ring that bell. I don't know if anybody's done it before. I definitely do. It really creates a ringing, right? It sets the tone, it clarifies, it purifies, and it sets that source for a really nice power for you to work with. The bell can also bring nice harmony to your magic circle. Again, it clarifies and purifies that. And it's also a really nice sign to invoke your, your angels or your egun, which is a another word for your ancestors um, in Yoruba culture, which is where my ancestors come from. So if you're trying to bring your ancestors in, it can be another way for you to allow that in, right? You're clarifying the space so you can allow, you know, whatever energy you're, you're trying to bring into your circle. Um, so I like to ring the bell in personal, in my opinion, first thing in the morning, you know, it just kind of sets the tone for the day. Um, 
and it's, you know, it sounds really pretty. So yeah, that's what you guys can use a bell for on your alternate symbolizations and associations. Um, yeah, and I, sorry, okay. I, I was gonna, I was gonna tell a story, but I don't think it's relevant. So moving on to the next one um, is a wand. And so wands are cool. I think wands are cool because you can be gifted a wand, you can find and create a wand, you can purchase a wand. Um, I, and I guess that's kind of true with most of these, right? You can buy them, be gifted or, or make your own, depending on how creative you want to get and how intentional. Like um, selenite wands, but they have like stone wands as something as well. Yes. And they have a number of magical purposes, but they're typically used just to direct energy during a ritual. So um, because they're a straight line, right? So wherever the tip is, that's where the energy is being directed. And because they're a phallic symbol, you know, they're low key shaped like a peen. <laughs> um, <laughs> they are used to represent male energy, power and virility. And they're also a representative of the element of air, although sometimes they can symbolize fire as well, depending on uh, which tradition or culture that you are referencing from. Um, and the one can be used to consecrate a sacred space or invoke um, deity or you know sacred energy as well. Absolutely. So the way that I typically use my wand, my wand was gifted to me by a dear friend of mine. Um, usually, just in the you know, it's always important to use protection, right? You know, whenever you want to engage in a realm that's not yours, it is very important to um, engage in some sort of protection for yourself. So, so some sort of manifestation of an energy wall around you. You know. It all starts in the mind. So using that wand, whether it's a selenite, you know, rod or something that you create, you know, with intentions and love and care with a stick and some quartz on the end wrapped with some yarn of color, you know, all of these things that you can use to really amplify the energy so that you can direct it just like it. And, you know, I think, you know, if you guys look online, you can find really creative uses for this. And I know it gets so mystical and like every, you know, I have a wand from Harry Potter world, right? Like I love it. Um, but, you know, <laughs> sacredly, there is a use for it and there's some real purposes for it. So we just wanted to make sure you guys understood these historical backgrounds. And then the next one that we have that I know we've talked about before, if you guys remember from season zero, way back, it feels like now, um, the, the chalice. Yeah. <laughs> the chalice is something that both Heather and I use. Um, we both have them. This is a representation of water on the altar, which as you guys know, if you've listened to our prior episodes, how important water is, the element and its representation, how important this actually is in the process of spiritual alchemy with balancing out our auras and our energy fields. Um, many people use chalices for each person that they might have on their represented altar. Me personally, I have both of my grandmother's photos on my altar, but everybody else in my family that I know of is on a list of paper. So on my altar, personally, I have two chalices to represent my two grandmothers. Um, but then my list, you know, it's very long. It goes back to the 1500s. So there's a lot of people on that list. Um, so if you so you're not going to give them all their own chalice? <laughs> maybe, if, you know, like, you know, maybe when I'm a millionaire, I'll have enough, enough glassware for them. Exactly. Yeah, right. But that's all. That's the thing we need to pay attention to, right? Like, what are our disposable resources that we're willing to invest on it? And how can we make the most of them? You know, like, that's I like that you're like, maybe when I'm a millionaire, because 
we see people, you know, we see people's spaces, we see people often we're like, it has to look like this or I'm not doing it right. And that's just not true. Absolutely. And it's kind of like, you know, you make it work, right? We've talked about crystal substitutions before, how the clear quartz can be a great substitution for a lot of stones. You know, this is kind of the same thing. This is what we're talking about when you guys get creative with your, you know, your spaces that you find really special for you, where you find yourself really engulfed in personal development and really questioning yourselves on these day-to-day things. So using the chalice and its symbolism of water, you know, I know on Sunday, sacred day, you know, in some traditions, you might have out from seven to nine glasses of water that represent either different seasons, different attributes, different characteristics. It really depends. It's, it just, it all goes back to, you know, you are offering something and you are, you know, you're representing something. Yeah. And just moving on to the next one. Um, the next one is a cauldron, which we also talked about in season zero. <laughs> like yes. what we said a billion years ago. <laughs> it feels so. like it now, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the cauldron is found in many goddess-oriented um, traditions. It's a feminine symbol because it's womb-like, right? It's a vessel in which life begins. It begins. It's a container of creation just like wombs, which are amazing, right? So it's typically representing that feminine energy, um, that feminine creation, and it is representing the element of water on the altar. So there's a lot of ways that you can use a cauldron. And, you know, when we say cauldron, um, I think the image that first pops into people's minds is like a giant black vat with handles where you like see the some, green you know, buddy hunching over like and like emanating from it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it doesn't even have to be all that. A lot of cauldrons are super Uh, tiny, you know, like things have changed people. It's not, it's not Snow White and the Seven Dwarves anymore. (laughs) And it doesn't even need to be shaped like that, to be honest. You know, it's really just a container in which you can safely burn things and safely heat things. Um, And so like I have one made out of soapstone, for example, and it's, you know, it has a cute little lid and it's just like a little bowl with a lid. And that's that's my cauldron. But, you know, when we say the word cauldron, don't get caught up in that. Um, The trigger the trigger of a lot of these verbiage is because, you know, they've been villainized or caricaturized. And so we have to kind of break down those images that come up and replace them with a more accurate and um, modern representation. Um, So some things that you can do in it are burn incense, candles, or offerings. Um, I really like to do, you know, uh, herb blends in there and then burn that with some resin. I enjoy doing that. Um, You can use it to represent the goddess of your personal tradition, blend herbs in it for magical workings. Um, And you can grind right in there as well, right? Like if you're using, um, like instead if you don't have a mortar or pestle, Mm -hmm. for example, um, fill it with water and use it for moonlight scrying. Um, keep in mind that many magical uses will make your cauldron unsuitable for food preparation. So if you're going to use one, keep a separate one designated specifically for your magical stuff and then one for food. Um, this is also true with any like dishware or glasses. And I think Chloe's mentioned this in the past, right? If you have a cold, I mean, you have a chalice on your altar, you're not going to use that for drinking, for example. So the same principle is true for for everything, right? If you're consuming it, you're not using it for your magic. Absolutely. And I mean, like, obviously, if you do, like, no harm done, but like, 
if you're trying to, you know, I think the, the principle is if you're holding yourself accountable and you're trying to keep these sort of principles, you know, very much alive, you know, in your, in your path of healing and in your path of self-spirituality, you know, it's important for you to set those boundaries. And again, that's where that discipline comes in. So when you find yourself, you know, like really making separate spaces and separate sacred spaces for these things that really just honor more than what's involved in our societal realm, you know, that's really the point here that we're trying to make. Um, mm-hmm. So the next thing is honestly, personally, in my opinion, it is my favorite thing, um, a book of shadows. I personally have eight of them, um, <laughs> a book of shadows. It's honestly on a very basic level. It's a journal or a type of diary that you have. Um, a book of shadows, it's something that's very personal. It's something that I recommend anybody who's on some type of journey where they're on self-development or personal development, you know, personally for this type of work that we're doing, because there are so many different things that evoke different types of emotions and, and situations, you know, from the past, I think it's, you know, we've talked, we talk about this all the time, but I think it's important for us to physically get it from our mind to paper, you know, however you do that is up to you, but a book of shadows is the perfect way to do it. Um, So this notebook is your, you know, your like hard copy of all this type of information. It can contain any type of spells that you have, any spells that you see online or anything, you know, manifestation or affirmation rituals. It can correspond to your birth chart. You know, it's a place where you put all of your information on you. If you do research on yourself, on your sun, your moon, your rising sign, it's, it's really a place where you put all of that cumulative information. You know, when you're going through things, if you're doing a certain type of, you know, ritual or something that we've posted in the shadow collective that evokes that some type of emotion that really makes you think your book of shadows is going to be that perfect place to put that it's, you know, it maybe contains some information about the rules or, you know, the, the list of things that you might need for that ritual or for an oil that you might be trying to make. It might also contain some different stories, you know, some of this research that we're talking about. One of the very just big ethics of us, of the Shadow Collective, is continual learning. So in your book of shadows, it might be some of that research of the myths or the legends or these stories, you know, from from cultures past, of maybe your culture's past or another culture's past, right? We're keeping all these avenues open. It might contain some of that as well. So you can get super creative with this. This could be a way that you really channel this creative energy, kind of making a scrapbook. You know, I think, you know, what comes to mind is the Hocus Pocus book, the one with the eye on top that was huge and the pages yep. were beautiful with, you know, like flowers drawn on them. Again, you guys can look for so many different examples of books of shadows and, you know, getting really creative with markers. You can make it so personal. Again, it's yours. You know, it's your culmination of your complete healing process and your complete spiritual alchemy process as you go through this. And this book of shadows should contain everything that you find important, right? It's yours. Um, So this, you know, this is something that you can refer to every day, once a month. There's no, again, there's no rules. There's no strict rules with this. Um, And I've, I've been someone to have a journal or a diary since for as long as I can remember. So incorporating something like into this, into my practice personally was like a done deal. You know what I mean? (laughs) No yeah, like no question. <laughs> and I know, <laughs> and I know you said, you know, I have like eight and you know, those are, do you move from one to the next? Like once you come, once you fill out a 
fill out one, then you move on to the next? Because I know for myself, I have three active right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a really good question to ask. So personally, when I first started this practice a couple of years ago, originally I started with having three. I had one for like my dream journal, one was my feelings and thoughts, and then one I had for more of like my research-based stuff, like my birth chart information, maybe spells that would work for my zodiac sign, or just maybe some rituals or stones that were acclimated for my zodiac sign, stuff like that. Um, but you know, life kind of happens and it turned into me just filling out books as I run through them. Um, and I know that I've talked to you mm -hmm. personally. I remember when we were starting our collective, I was like, I have so many books and the information is kind of everywhere. Um, ideally my goal yeah. is, is to get really, you know, like chronological in that information. Um, but I think, again, you know, we have to make room for that sort of, you know, life happens and we don't always have, you know, one particular place. Sometimes we have like one or two notebooks. So I think like if it works for you to separate things out, I think ideally that's how I would like to when I put everything together. Um, I would like to separate things. It really just depends on, on what works for you and, and, and what your goals are, really. Yeah. And I mean, I've gone back and forth because I've definitely been in phases where I would have them separated because I was like, this one is for, you know, the past, like reflecting on the past and doing that kind of shadow work. And this one is for, you know, manifesting things going forward. And then this one is for, you know, rituals and research. And then, you know, right now, when I say I have three active, it's not because I'm super organized. It's because I have one that I keep you know, I carry in my purse and I have one that I keep in my backpack and I have one that I keep on my bookshelf <laughs> so that wherever I am, I can contribute to it, you know? Um, and I think it's just important to make sure that you find something that works for you. And if you're somebody who's transitioned to saying like, this is the one I'm working with and I'm, you know, I'm kind of overwhelmed by not being able to find my stuff, a really simple way to, to kind of counteract that is to write page numbers on the pages and leave it leave a page in the front that you can use as an index and you can just kind of categorize for yourself that way and say, you know, like dream work and then list the page numbers that correspond to that, right? As you add a page of dream work, just add it to your index in the front. Or, you know, if you have time, you can go back through and do that for your old ones too, you know, so that when you're trying to do this reflection throughout the time, um, it makes it easier on yourself. So it's really just like finding what works for you. Absolutely. <clears throat> Do you want to take us into the next one? Because this is something that I'm not really familiar yeah, with, Yeah, so an anthem, an anthem, I mean, like, anthem, anthem, I, re I don't really think it matters. Um, so what it is, is it's a knife. Um, it, it represents a knife. Um, some people you might have seen, you know, these are very popular in tattoos um, because of what they represent. Um, so that's what it is. Um, but an anthem and... I'm more familiar now yes. than I know what that is. <laughs> I probably could have said that. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, don't apologize to me ever. Again. We love we love that one. Um, an anthem is used in a lot of Wiccan rituals as a tool for directing energy. So it again, when we go back to that wand, that directing energy, we're looking at that masculine energy, right? So you can use again this type of tool the same way as a wand. If you'd like to cast some type of circle of protection around you, it can be used in that type of way as well. But again, this knife is double-edged. So that's the important part. It's not like a regular steak knife where one, one side is, um, you know, straight and the other edge is serrated. The, both, is, both of these are um, edged. It's like a dagger. Um, so these, you know, mm -hmm. in traditional, like, 
practice. They're not really used for cutting things in Wiccan practice. Um, it's more the symbolism of using that masculine energy to point and direct the same way that, you know, um, a wand would, but outside of Wicca, an anthem represents the ele element of air. So it really is more for that cutting and that carving. And that's where you would actually use it. It holds more of that, you know, that God energy, that yang energy, that masculine energy. Um, so it's real for more like cutting or carving. So in other, you know, traditions, you actually do use it for carving things out. Um, and this can be more of its use because the more you use it, the more powerful it becomes. So this is just another representation of an object having multiple different types of associations and symbolism. But again, at the same time, it still symbolizes that strength in that direction of energy, so to say. But in other cultures outside of Wicca, it really is like the more you use it, the more powerful it gets. And also when we look at that double edged side, I don't want to leave the symbolism of that out because I think it's really important, especially when you incorporate things like tarot cards and stuff like that, where they have double edged swords, because it really is, you know, you reap what you sow right? You put out what you get in. You're not just going to, if you put out, you're not going to not receive anything back. And the choices that you make are always going to affect you in both ways. So I think that sort of like strength and that sort of energy is really important if that's something that you decide to bring to your spiritual space. Yeah, I love that. And I think it makes sense to right, depending it, it's not shaped like a regular knife. So I think it makes sense to be like, I'm not going to use this for cutting because it's not really an effective tool for cutting, right? But if you're, you're engaging in a tradition that is used for carving, carving is a different motion. It's a different, um, it, it requires a different tool. You wouldn't do that easily with a regular knife. So um, yeah, so that, that just makes a lot of sense to me. The next one that we have on the list, and I believe it's the final one. Yes, it's our final one is candles, which we've talked mm -hmm. about a bunch but let's talk about it again, because why not? They're important and beautiful. Um, so a lit candle flame represents the light of the teachings, and it can also be used on altars to welcome and draw in spirit energy. Um, and candles can also be like carved into to set intentions. You know, Chloe likes to roll her candles or anoint them with oil and put herbs on them. So, you know, we're going to talk, I'm going to talk in a second about the different colors and what they represent, but there's all different ways that you can add extra layers of meaning and, and impact to your candles as well. So white candles represent purification and clarity and cleansing. Um, I use white candles most commonly. And then red candles are um, usually typically used for passion, love, action, um, sexual energy and vitality mm -hmm. and they also are associated right like red is associated with root chakra right so you can also use them in rituals surrounding root chakra work um black candles are grounding and protecting there and they also are used for absorption so right if you're trying to maybe um extract something you know some kind of energy away or out of yourself or out of your space or out of you know your life you can you can kind of direct it into the candle in that way where it's absorbing that for you. Um, pink candles are um, celebratory, right? Like joy, healing, friendship, and affection. Yellow candles are great for manifestation, positivity, confidence, transformation, like that sun energy type stuff. Um, green candles are great for growth, prosperity, good fortune, success. A lot of times like... Um, 
yeah, like prosperity things will happen. Like finance spells will, will always use a green candle. Not always, but like a lot of times use a green mm-hmm. candle, for example. Um, but they're also just kind of like lucky, yes. you know, orange candles. Good luck is great. Green <laughs> good is great for, for good luck. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, orange candles are great for creativity, opportunity, inspiration, and ambition. Right. And like, like I said, for red with the root chakra, right. The same associations um, are true for all the rest of them. Right. So orange, the sacral chakra, the next one up on the list, blue candles are great for meditation, intuition, calming, and psychic abilities. So like trying to really tune into yourself and elevate that third eye type stuff. Um, and then purple, are wonderful for wisdom, imagination, and attunement. So attuning yourself to things. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, and there's so many more things that we could say about candles as well, just like there were so many more things we could say about all of these. But, you know, that's just a very baseline um, kind of run through. Absolutely. And I mean, you guys know, I'm sure you've seen different candle bundle blends of different stuff. So you can really get creative in your own way. And I know that Heather said that, you know, sometimes I put different herbs and stuff you know, the deeper you dive into this stuff, you can really get so creative and make things so personal to you. You know, I think a lot of times when we think about this stuff, we, we get really caught up in what everybody else is doing and what we're seeing. But in reality, you know, if you know that things like lavender and things like rose petals, you know, invoke things of self love and calming, you know, those on a very basic level, something that you can crush up, you know, with simple things, you know, you, you don't need even need like, you know, like Heather said, you know, like a mortar pistol, you don't need that. And you can just crush it up. And you know, my way to put herbs on a candle is simply to dip it in hot water until that first layer, like, you know, gets a little melty, I guess. Yeah, it starts to like, yeah, drift away from and the then I just the have a piece of parchment paper, and I roll my candles in that. And that is honestly like a really simple way for you to just make a candle just elevate it with its vibrations of of the natural properties of the earth for your personal self. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that because a lot of ways I think we look at these tools as like, Oh, I need to buy them. You know, Oh, I need to do this. You know, you Mm -hmm. can really get creative with a lot of this stuff and make it super personal, which makes it more personal for you because your spiritual journey is yours alone. It's not anybody else's. Yeah. And you get to also write like, just like you said, you get to make it more personal, but you also get to be more intentional too, right? You can correspond with certain moon phases. You can correspond with certain cycles of the, you know, astrology cycles. There's so many different ways that you can add layers of intention that, that aren't necessarily present when you're simply buying it. Not to mention, like, I'm sorry, but I'm not buying a candle that is already made with all those things because they're usually like Mm -hmm. 30 bucks and I'm not spending 30 bucks on a candle when I'm burning a candle Mm -hmm. every single day. I'm not going to do it. Right. So one of the things that we need to be thoughtful about is like this, these practices don't have to be expensive. And if you're spending a ton of money, chances are you could be more intentional and spend less. Absolutely. And like, that's part of what we're trying to explain to you, everybody here, you know, like, There are so many, you know, flashy things that I think just happens, you know, when we live on the internet these days, and we want to make all of this information super accessible so that you guys can incorporate all of these things of, you know, just spiritual alchemy and balancing yourself so that you can be better people for yourselves. And again, the people you love, um, you know, and just, you know, hold yourself down to that and hold yourself accountable. And, And I'm glad you brought that up, like you said, about the different Um, you know, what you said about the altars, because I think it's important for everybody to note too, you know, I think at the beginning, I mentioned about how, 
um, people can have different altars in different parts of their rooms. Um, but there can also be different types of themes, again, that you can have for your altars. So some people might have different types of prosperity, you know, setups where they might have, you know, a green candle, you know, maybe some herbs that represent, you know, financial growth or, you know, emotional growth or anything like that. And then you just set it up there. And that is just your space for prosperity. Some people have love altars where you have things like rose petals, red candles, you know, you're really honoring all the things that you feel of love. And that is your separate space. And we also have protection altars. You know, these are types of things where you can put out certain objects and certain offerings. You know, if you're in a, if you're in a religion where you have certain deities or saints, you know, angels or ancestors that you would specifically honor in that type of way, this is the perfect opportunity to do it. And because especially, you know, y'all, there is no limit and there's no limit as to how, what you can have. You can have as much as you want and you can have, this is most important, you can have as little as you want. As long as the intention is, is to theme and honor yourself and those who have come before you. Again, that is the most important to follow your intuition. You know, y'all want to stay grounded. You guys want to stay guided in your practice. So having these different things on your space is going to be important. You know, we also see different types of this. You know, we've all heard shrines before, right? My thought is going back to, hey, Arnold, where Helga Pataki had a shrine of Arnold, <laughs> right? You know, those ex- <laughs> Sorry, that one landed pretty but, well I for mean, me. Like, that's my first initial, right? You really are honoring that. You know, that might be something that you have open. It might be something that you keep in private, but it is, you know, lo and behold, it's a space that you hold that is sacred for you in your home for something. Um, I know some people who have very, you know, relatives or family members that are very close to them that maybe have passed on. You know, a lot of people will hold shrines for them, places in their home that are just dedicated to that one person and not anybody else. Depending on how who you are and how your faith is structured, you know, you organize religion, you know, whatever that is, that process and that procedure, you know, that depends on, you know, what you will. Um, but it's important that, again, the intention is there and that you just trust your intuition and you feel and you do what's right. Yeah, I love that you went through all that because I think there it does for myself too. like, <laughs> it feels like there's so many barriers and so many rules and so many things that you can do wrong. And the reality is right. Like what you said, exactly what you said about, it's about the intention and it's about being more intentional. It's about, you know, honoring those that came before us and honoring yourself. And if, if you're doing that in a way that feels authentic, chances are it's probably right. And so, you know, it's, it's also about creating that trust within yourself to make these decisions on behalf of yourself and your spirit and your guides. Um, that you can start building these connections rather than, you know, waiting for somebody else to do it for you or feeling like I can only do it if, you know, if I get the approval from this person or if I pay this amount of money to this person, it's like, that's not what it's about at all. And so getting that inner validation of saying, this is, this is what's right for me. And if in bringing this intention to fruition, and this is what I'm going to do. Absolutely. So as we move into it, right, we've talked about how there's really no like strict rules, you know, depending on your religion, your faith, things do get a lot more strict. Um, but for our instance here, you know, for, from talking from our personal perspectives, you know, what, you know, like personally, what I and Heather do on a day-to-day basis, you know, we're not really following any, you know, strict rules or guidelines coming from that, you know, we're eclectic and we are where we're all 
are <laughs> where we are in our journeys. Um, but the top mm-hmm. thing that we do want to remember is respect, right? So when we're doing this, this type of personal development, the, the reasons why we have these habits and these rituals is because we're owing ourselves this type of respect. So when we bring our ancestors, our Agun, you know, the people who come before us, when we bring that into it, we still want to keep that value of respect at its top priority and we see that in a lot of religions and a lot of cultures right respect your elders like we can we obviously know that one to be something that people say a lot you know i grew up with that respect your old elders but it really is true because the old you can't honor exactly. and disrespect you know, at the the, same the, time. you know it shows that you know traditionally the older you are the more wisdom you have and what we're all trying to achieve as we go through life is wisdom. So we're respecting it on that, on that, on that note here. So the things that you guys are going to try and want to follow maybe as guidelines, you know, again, we're not going to come down and hunt you down and make sure you're doing all of these things, but just a few notes that we try and, you know, hold near and dear to us is you want to keep it dust and debris free, right? We want to make sure that space is clean. We don't want to, we don't want that space to be cluttered. You know, your spiritual space, your personal space, we want to keep it, you know, old food away stale food away if we have a chalice with water i don't don't have flies floating around or dust or debris you know we want to make sure that we're being respectful that the water is you know clear honestly typically you could probably leave it two to three days depending on where you are and you know if you're if you live in a very dusty place like arizona or phoenix you know i don't know what it's like out there but i would assume you know just keep an eye on it you know just make sure it's clean You'll want to make sure that there's objects that don't belong. You know, I think it's a great point that Heather, you brought up. And, you know, I also have as well two separate spaces for the living and the dead. I think it's important that y'all separate that, in my opinion. You know, you don't want to put living people on a space where you're honoring the dead. You know, I just, I don't know. I feel like common sense, it's it's different. Um, so you just want to keep a little bit of a separation there when you have, you know, people living and, and having people, you know, who have passed on there. Most of the time, um, you want to keep your sacred space out of a place where you can get intimate and sexual with someone. Um, Think of it as, you know, it really depends on your culture and tradition. And personally, in mine, you know, West African religion, it's kind of like if you were to do something like that in your altar, you're doing it in front of, you know, it's kind of like you're you're making hanky panky in front of your grandparents. And that's awkward to think about. (laughs) It's awkward to do. I mean, like if you are cut for space, you can absolutely just put a cloth over it. If it's something that you have that's stationary, again, if it's something that you have closed away and something you keep a little bit more mobile, um, I think that works out perfectly. But otherwise, you know, you can keep it in another room. It really depends, you know, keep it, keep it functional for you. But again, if that's something that happens, nothing bad is going to happen to you. Um, again, it's, you get in what you get out, but it is, a you know, when we talk about being respectful, you know, you don't want to do that. So if you have your altar in your space where you get intimate or, you know, you get down in the sheets, you know, just be respectful of that space that you have there. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, the other things that you can put on your altar is just the tools, all the things that we talked about. Those are the things that you'll want to, you'll want to put on it. So you'll want to have either pictures of your relatives that have passed, 
um, you know, pictures of people that are dear to you. Um, you know, if you don't know or you don't have any pictures of the people who've passed on, a piece of paper with their name is perfect enough to symbolize, you know, their energy, their their vessel, their time here on Earth. You might have, you know, different, you know, objects. You know, Heather, I know, has a scarf from her grandmother, which is very near and dear to her. That is a perfect example of something that you can have from someone who is either living or passed on. You can have jewelry from that person. You're lucky if you have a diary or letters, in my opinion, that is like sacred, like mm -hmm. absolutely. I actually, you know, I have a note on my, my living per person's altar. I have a note from my mom that she wrote me 10 years ago. And that's something that I keep on there. That's another example. You know, people who are in the Roman Catholic, you know, you can put rosaries, Bibles. Again, I was raised a Roman Catholic. I'm eclectic. You know, I don't shut anything out. I'm open, but I set boundaries and, you know, having rosaries and things like that to honor certain angels or different ideas. You know, those are all things that you can incorporate too. I know that different religions have different type of beads work, um, different type of bracelets that honor different type of orishas and different energies as well. So those are all things that you can have on there. Any type of keepsake really to you that, you know, resonates and that can also look like ashes, you know, in, in an urn. It can be something that you have for an incense burner, you know, you can have your flowers, again, any of those sticks or twigs or rocks that y'all found like out just while perusing out in nature. Um, and it can also be different types of beverages as well. Um, and we'll get into that in just a second, the different beverages that you can have on that altar. Right, I feel like it's uh, so much to digest. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. So, I just, yeah, I just needed a, That's I just okay. needed a breath, but <laughs> so as far as beverages, beverages, um, some altars, some altar offerings can look like fresh water, right? That's, that's step one, just fresh, clean water. Like everybody needs that. And it's also, it's just, it's just a staple, right? So if you're going to have anything, have fresh water, and then you build on top of that. So some other things that you might want to put on there, hot coffee or tea, um, typically sweetened, um, wine or hard alcohol. And I know, you know, Chloe and I talked about this privately, but like my one grandmother who just passed away from COVID not too long ago, the only thing she drank besides like water basically was Coors Light. So, you know, I'm not going to put out wine for her. I'm not going to put out hard alcohol for her in that specific instance, right? I'm putting out Coors Light for her. That's her shit. So um, you can be a little bit um, fluid with this. <laughs> um, <laughs> some other things you might want to put out are cigarettes or tobacco. Um, someone probably in your lineage smoked probably many of them. Um, it was not, you know, this, we're part of some of the first generations where it's been seen as something that you shouldn't do. Um, desserts, sweets, or candy, um, home-cooked food, especially served warm or steaming. I know that, Chloe, you know, you've said you take a little bit of everything that you eat and you just put it on your altars. Like, if you eat, they eat, right? So um, you're not letting it, like she said, you're not letting it get all stale, right? You're not saying, all right, well, this has been left over in my fridge for three days, so I guess I'll, you know, I'll donate it to my altar. That's not, mm -hmm. that's not yeah. the that's not the thing, right? As soon as it's cooked and it's beautiful and it's ready, it's like you're serving it to them as you would serve it to yourself. Um, fresh fruits cut and ready to eat or dry fruits. Um, bread cut and ready to eat, right? You're not going to just throw a whole loaf on there. And, they I mean, might, might be hungry. I don't know. <laughs> depends on the purpose. Yeah, it depends. But like, 
it's that's if you think like this is all for you right so if you're only giving them a piece don't just like rip off a hunk and be like here you go throw it at them like they're a dog right like you're gonna cut it and make it nice um and you also might want to put some flowers and absolutely coins on there. so those are all different like offerings that you guys can get i know like when we talk about tobacco and alcohol i know you know like rum and tobacco like cigars right i think like if we do look back at our lineage like they were smoking cigars and honestly tobacco and cigars like that they were a luxury in that opinion so somebody who may have been smoking you know cigars you know that might have been something that was a treat for them that nowadays is something that you can get so commonly that was really a luxury for them so when you're incorporating things like that like you know any hard liquor like rum or brandy or just something that is really like nice or you know maybe some good bourbon you know like we it's yeah right like mm, Mm. we really just have to think about it from that standpoint Mm -hmm. Um, so those are all things that you can do and if you guys are moving at a more advanced state of your altar maybe more advanced healers anybody that might be listening you can absolutely put a statue or an image of your deity obviously to better call you to communicate better have that connection Um, your notebook or letters different notes or you know whatever that you might have from personal your you know personally your relatives is something that you might have on there you might have any drawings or anything that when you do shadow work on a very deep level you know whether you're meditating microdosing astral traveling you know all of the stuff that we're putting into this book of shadows if there's anything that speaks to you in any sort of way that's something that you could put on your space as well as like a reminder for you know i'm grateful for the thoughts and that and, and and you know the the, the wormholes that I've traveled down to come to where I am today, you know, that's definitely worth honoring as well. And, you know, we've talked about coins. Pennies are a great way to pay a toll to the, to the, to the world of the dead. Um, so you might do things like put that in your cauldron, you know, like if you have a, 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 a maybe a stone bowl or maybe just a regular bowl that might represent a chalice or something like that. I know a really quick manifestation money spell is that every day you just drop a coin in that bowl every day you know that's super simple you don't need anything else you just remember to put a penny in there every day um and with everything it resembles you know we're looking at all of that another thing that we don't want to forget is that spirits are drawn to scent so when we have things like incense and resins you know we're using these type of things to really draw in the spirit so things like hot steaming things that's why heather said when you want to put food out for your ancestor you don't want to put you know your leftovers that have been sitting in the fridge you want a nice warm hot meal where your ancestors can really just like you know really soak in those aromas and if you're someone who loves to cook and you're already putting your intentions into your meal that's only going to work for you more, sweetheart. It's only going to work for you more. So whatever meal, you know, you're, you're, you're drawing in with those scents, you're asking them to come and, hey, you know, recuperate, rest, come stay with me. If it's something that has gone cold, you know, you will want to reheat it before you guys offer it on your table. Again, we're just coming back to that idea of respect. You know, if you had a guest in your home, you wouldn't serve them a, a cold meal that looked bad. You would serve them something nice and fresh and and warm and comforting. So we want to, we want to try to instill that discipline in this type of practice that we have as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They are guests. You know, you're asking them to visit you. Why would they visit you if you put trash out for them? <laughs> I wouldn't. So, you know, we should, we wouldn't expect Amen. that of them either. 
did you have any final? No, I uh, think that was it. Thought? You know, I, I think this was a real, this is a really great starter list. I think for anybody who is either just getting started or you guys are already in your practice, or even if you have all of these things, again, it's just a really nice refresher to understand the intention and the respect that we're trying to give to really our self-care routines and the things that we're doing for self-development. Yes, I agree. And I think I, I said this before, right, but it, it's an important practice um, to be thinking beyond ourselves. And this is one way that we can ritualize that for ourselves and, you know, deepen our connection to the beyond, to those people who came before us and to it's essentially our support network as well. Right. So it's like you're not, you know, sacrificing a bunch of these things and getting nothing in return. And I think that's something that's really important to remember. So if you're looking at why would I waste this food? It's that's, that's the wrong mindset to be going into, into this with. Um, but, you know, thank you guys so much for, for tuning in with us. We had a great time with you. We hope that you were able to get a little bit of light in this episode where we covered, you know, altar tools and, you know, just a little bit about rituals. Um, we were your hosts, Chloe and Heather join us next week. You know, if you want, we'd love to have you. If you don't want, I guess that's fine too, but we'd prefer that you come along for the ride as we go through spiritual alchemy, what it is and its process um, and really what it's all about. And I'm really, I'm super excited to get into that, to that episode next week. So don't forget to show us a little love. If you've enjoyed hanging out with us, you know, please comment, um, review, give us a quick five stars. Um, that's, it helps us out so much. It's how people get to see us when they search, you know, in the podcasts on Apple podcasts, for example, I know, I don't know where else you can rate, but I know that that's a place where you can rate and it's really easy to do, but that's what, that's what helps us with the algorithm. So if you think that it's worth listening to and other people might benefit from it, then help us out, help other people who haven't listened yet and, you know, give us that rating. We would really appreciate it. And don't forget to be subscribed so you can keep up with us every week um, this season. And we are also on social media. You can get us on Instagram at Wands and Water, but we also have our Instagram for the Shadow Collective at Shadow Collective underscore official, where we talk about, you know, how you can continue this learning and this education and this, um, these resources will be more abundant there as well, um, because that's where we do all the things on the Patreon. So keep listening for more to hear how you can be a part of or continue supporting the Shadow Collective. We want to thank all of our supporters who've cheered us on in building and creating for this amazing and insightful community. We love creating and sharing this space with you. If you'd like to continue to see and hear more from us, please support the Shadow Collective on Patreon, where we offer three affordable tiers of all exclusive TSC content, live streams, interviews, educational graphics, resources, and more. We also post daily on our Instagram at shadowcollective underscore official. Give our personal accounts a follow at at collectivelychloe underscore and at heatherholistically underscore to see what we're up to on a day-to-day basis. Last but not least, please feel free to check out our personal business pages. Heather's website is www.heatherholistically.com and my website is www.plantsbycloe.com where you can check out our terror services, blogs, shops, and more. Check out our socials for updates as well. Until next time, in healing, abundance, and light. Ashe.